Video Game Pulse. Episode 319. I am Millennium X17. And I'm Dark Katakito. So how are you doing? <coughs> is that your final answer? Yes. Is your, so you're still sick then? Kinda. Still coffee? Yeah. Still unsupervised? Yeah. So where is Kaz? Uh, in the chat. But not on the show. Yep. I'm going to claim that it's because of weak sauce. I have no idea. It's weak sauce is what I'm saying. Uh, side notes, what do you have? Uh, I have a kitten in my blanket right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Safi's in your, under your chair, uh, wrapped up in your blanket, like, what, breakdancing? I don't know what she's doing down there. She keeps, like, pawing at the sides of the blanket, like, trying to get it off me so more of it falls onto her. <laughs> yeah. Anything else going on? Not really. Uh, it's our first show, ba- you know, back-to-back weeks. I know, the right? Longest it's time. been a long time since this has happened. You know, not quite a full show, though. We're not going over any news outside of just like a quick mention to uh, Jeff Keeley's Circle Jerk Wank Fest, <laughs> the, uh, better known as the Advertisement Awards. Leah, mm. uh, yeah, we might as well just get to that now. Uh the big thing of note that I'll say, though, is that I, like later that night after recording the episode, I made the you know the huge deal about, oh, I can't imagine who's going to win Game of the Year. And then it, was a, it wasn't Red Dead 2, though. It was uh, God of War. I know. That one surprised me. I was like, wow, really? And then I found out later on in the night that it was uh, Sony was uh, heavily involved in uh, advertising throughout the Game Awards itself. And I was like, oh. That makes more sense. Okay. I'm forming a picture now. Yeah. But yeah, outside that, it's it's you know we'll go over that next show. Whether that show is next week or in two is still to be seen, but uh, that'll be a discussion we'll have more in depth later on. Uh, for myself, for side notes, I don't really think there's much going on for me other than the last week of yeah, no, just you know I've been actually been able to get back to playing some games. Yeah. Given that is the bulk of this show is going to be two reviews that are going to be uh, I'm, it's going to be a normal length show. I don't know if that means it's an hour and a half or two hours or three hours or we'll just have to wait and see. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything else as it pertains to side notes from me. Is there anything else from you that you can think of? Uh, I've had five days off work and it's been great. I've actually been able to sleep and I'm actually getting over my cold now. <laughs> just in time for you to go back to work again tomorrow. Yep. So you're going to have fun with that? Hopefully. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't believe there's much else. Other than the fact that we went to Best Buy last night. Yes. Uh, You picked up a bunch of stuff. Yep. Don't let me go near Best Buy. I will spend way more than I should. <laughs> I love Best Buy. <laughs> it's uh, easy to do there. They have uh, some expensive toys there. I know you picked up Amiibos and... Oh, yeah, you also picked up, uh, what, Skyward Sword? No, uh, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. I was going to say, I haven't touched Skyward Sword in a million years. That's the one that I thought would be good, but then was absolutely abysmal with the motion controls. Right, yeah. That was the Wii title. 
very big difference. It was uh, I. Uh, but then again, I'm not, I don't know much about Zelda other than <laughs> exists. Yes. I remember trying to play that on the 64 and failing. Yeah, I think honestly you would really, really like Breath of the Wild. It's very Skyrim esque. Mm. Yes, but now you picked it up for the Switch. Yes. Because you'd rather spend sixty dollars on the game than just plug the Wii U back in. Yes. That shows how much I like the Wii U. Well, it's Wii U's got Mario Maker. That's about all it's got at this point. Uh, well, anything else for side notes, or just a whole lot of nothing? Uh, a whole lot of nothing, really. I've just been sleeping a lot, <clears> trying <throat> to get over my cold. How's that going? It's going. I uh, I definitely feel a lot better now than I did, you know, at the start of the week. Uh, I still got the cough, but it's not as bad as it was most of the time, anyway. There were sometimes where I was still get into you know those massive coughing fits, but for the most part, it's not as terrible as it was. All right, that's good. Um, it doesn't seem like we have a whole lot of side notes. Yeah. All right, so this show we're gonna be going like I said. There's gonna be forums and two reviews, and I don't imagine that this is gonna be a quick show. I don't know if it's gonna be full length or not. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, though, one thing I do need to get to before we move on. Uh, the Patreon credits. So if you go on to uh, patreon.com, uh, search for Anime Pulse, $10 a month, get your name shouted out throughout the show. Uh, so far, the current list is Tag, Algazero, Phantom, SHG, and V. Thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you so much. And uh, there are other tiers as well. I believe there's a dollar tier, there's a five, and I don't know if there's, I think there's others. I know there's a 10. The 10 is the max. Yeah. You can put in however much you want, though. That's Patreon. So, yeah, with that out of the way, I do believe we can now head off to, unless you have anything else? I have peach tea. Mm. Does that count? That is a thing, especially if it keeps you from coughing. Mm. Uh, Yeah, so we can head on off to the forums. Yep. So, forums. There are forums. There are forums. Not as uh, well replied to as the previous one, <laughs> which was amazing. But then yeah. again, you know, what can you expect? There's still a lot of good replies on this one, though. So what do we got? So this week we got the VGP 317 discussion topic, favorite levels. What is your favorite level or distinct location in any video game and why? I Originally, it was just going to be favorite level, but as I was writing it, I was like, a lot of modern games don't really have levels anymore. Yeah, that's true. So I that's why I put in parentheses or distinct location. Because I figure a lot of times nowadays you get, you know, vast open worlds where you don't really have levels, as it were. Mm, that is true. Mm. All right. First in is Vic Minato. Uh, I'll probably add this to add to this post as I think I'm more of it for starters. Treasure Trove Co. from Banjo-Kazooie is one of my most memorable levels of the game. With very locations, a catchy theme, and the stress of what happens when you go swimming. <laughs> I do remember yes, that level. Yes, I do as well. Oh, God, that is so stressful. Uh, for a less orthodox pick, uh, the courtroom from the Ace Attorney is where all the magic and best music from the game plays to deliver an experience like no other. Very good. Uh, next in is Yotaro Vegeta saying, uh, remember the Gold Saucer Casino from Final Fantasy VII? Remember meeting the weird duo of Kate Sith? All the fun games you could play. The date on the Ferris wheel with uh, Barrett. Ah, good times. <coughs> Very good. 
Uh, next in is Trinity Angel 0666. Uh, God of War. How the fuck would you pronounce that? Mosfelium? Mosfelium? Probably mispronounced. Uh, God of War Mosfelium Realm was my favorite level. I just couldn't stop fighting in this arena. It was so fun and challenging. Very good. Uh, next up is Zaldera saying, I'm sure there were many games I've played that have many levels. I will name two here. Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, it was uh, Act, Act 4. 4. Act 4 is all it's said there. I'd have to... Oh, wait. Is that... Okay, Rex versus Ray. I remember that one. Uh, and the other one... Uh, the main reason for me liking this level is that you finally get to control the infamous Metal Gear Rex mecha from the first MGS, and it is fun to turn the tables on all the enemies coming at you, even if they are just robotic drones. The boss battle with... Metal Gear Ray at the end of the chapter was satis especially satisfying as it was no holds barred mecha beatdown. <laughs> the next game he put in was A10 Attack. And Tronov Amada. The level is what it's called. Or Antronov Amada as it was spelt in the spelt in the game. This is an uh, an old Apple Macintosh flight simulator that had you fly an A10 Thunderbolt 2 ground support aircraft that specialized in basically destroying enemy takes and vehicles from the sky. Despite despite this, there was one level which you were tasked with destroying several enemy Antonov cargo planes escorted by MiG fighter jets. Despite this, you had to deal with the mission, including letting your own F-16 escorts take on the enemy escorts or doing, it, doing what I did, which is use several anti-radar missiles net for use against air to uh, or meant for use against surface to air miss surface to air radar sites and blast the enemy fighter jets with them instead no footage of this level sadly but the above video should give you an idea of what the game was generally like nice also i think Vale's trying to tell us that we mispronounced that word most likely the uh possibility yeah Vale just linked us to a uh, how to pronounce dot com thing <laughs> I think he's trying to tell us that we fucked it up. Doesn't surprise me in the least. It's not the first time. It will not be the last time. Mm. Next in is Ghoul Shinobi. Hmm. The only games I really play with levels are Mario games. My favorite level is probably 1-1 because all among all the different games, that level has stayed relatively the same. But for a distinct location, I go with Megaton from Fallout 3 and Diamond City from Fallout 4. Those are the big cities in those games, and I love the atmosphere they have in them. I also enjoy creating a new save and killing everyone in said town sometimes. Yep. As we do. As we do. It's also a reason why I like uh, games with multiple save slots and mm -hmm. uh, that don't auto-save over your current save. Anyway, next up is Valorith. Uh, my favorite level in a game is the Muscle Dome Arena in the old PS1 game Legend of Luxuria. More of a mini game than a level, though. Welcome to the mu Muscle Dome. Nice. Next in, actually, I think last in. Let me double check Let that. Me double check. Is yes. So last in for this form segment is Black Magic four 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 with an amazing signature. With an amazing signature still. Uh, the flying batter zone from Sonic Three and Knuckles. It was the first level to give me a challenge in the game, and the music is one of my favorites. I love that Sonic Mania brought it back. Ah, that's really good. Yep. The uh, what, do you have any levels that you can think of off the top of your head? The one that immediately stuck out to me, and because it was kind of a knee-jerk reaction, is probably 
says a lot is uh, the ice cavern from the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time on the N64. Love that place. Beautiful visuals, great soundtrack. It was just a lot of fun. A lot of people hate on that area. I don't know why. I guess people just don't like ice areas in games generally. But I always thought that one was really well done. Yeah, for myself, it, it, here's the thing. If I actually went back and actually thought about it and looked through a lot of the games I've played in the past, there's probably several that would jump out at me mm. for game levels that I love. There's one in Valkyria Chronicles that I'm actually blanking on the name, the official name of it. Uh, it's the one right before the Barius Desert. I forget what the Cloden Wildwood. That's what it's called. Right. Uh, the level is, I think it's chapter four or five in Valkyria one. It's called the Cloden Wildwood. I love that level. That level is so much fun. I could, that's the first skirmish level that after you play through it in the main story, it unlocks as a skirmish. And that's the first one where you can actually farm for XP and money. And I just know that one very well. I really like that one whole lot the only other thing that pops into my head though as far as the level goes maybe a little bit uh, unorthodox but the garage in uh project gotham racing oh yeah that's a good one that's where you first saw geometry wars geometry wars yep that was the birthplace of geometry Wars. yeah the, uh, the arcade in the in the garage in your garage in project gotham racing yeah the only other one that's really jumping out in my mind immediately is the uh the zombie island of Dr. Ned from Borderlands 1. That was such a fun map. Mm. It's been a long while since we played Borderlands. I I was thinking about revisiting Borderlands at some point. That was a first really or second fun one. Game, the first one. Right. The second, the one, second was one was very grindy, I found. Exceptionally grindy. I think we were in the middle of... Uh, Scarlet. Scarlet's DLC there, and um, it was just really grindy. It was one of those deals where I had to throw out my turret, and then we have to hide behind a rock and like shoot thousands of bullets at an enemy just to get them to drop, and it's just... Yeah, yeah. It got old very quickly. Yeah, Borderlands 1 was really fun, though. I did enjoy that one a lot. It was definitely a really good concept. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was the end of the forum. Uh, we're going to have to come up with a new forum now. Hey. Are we going to go with the idea that I had, or did you have another idea, or what were we going to do? <laughs> uh, we can go with your idea. Okay, so uh, end of the year. So it's not quite, you know, the, probably by the time we go over this one, it'll already be the new year. So I uh, don't have to answer this one immediately. We're probably going to be first or second week in January is when we might be looking into getting, you know, this forum to go over this forum. But uh, what was your uh, favorite game that you played in calendar year 2018. It doesn't have to be one that came out yes. in 2018. Played. It's one that you played in 2018. Yeah, I don't believe that is all for the forums. Uh, should we head on? Uh, do you have anything else for the forums? Or? Not really. All right. Reviews? Reviews. So, reviews. Who's got what for how many donuts? There are a lot... I don't know about the donuts, but there are a lot of reviews and first looks and what have yous. Oh, yeah. Donuts are still going to be a mystery, though. <laughs> I know for this show, we're going to at least have two reviews. Yep. What do you got? Uh, I've got a whole bunch of stuff, but for this one, I'll probably talk about the one that I've actually finished out of the lot that I've got. So, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. Uh, developed by Game Freak, published by the Pokemon Company, obviously. Uh, Nintendo Switch exclusive. 
this game was a lot of fun. There were a lot of mixed reactions when this game was first announced. A lot of people thought that it was like, oh, you know, they're babying it down. You know, this isn't Gen 8, blah, 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 one way or the other. But these games were actually pretty fun. I actually enjoyed these quite a lot. It is a uh, a remake of the original Red, Blue, Yellow. You know, you set in the Kanto region. Your starter is either Pikachu or Eevee, depending on which version of the game you've got. Uh, Let's Go Pikachu has the version exclusives from Pokemon Red version. Uh, Let's Go Eevee has the version exclusives from Pokemon Blue version. And honestly, this game, it looks phenomenal. This game is absolutely gorgeous. And also, this game brought back the one feature that everyone's been clamoring about for, like, eons, which is Pokemon can follow you again, which is awesome. The other really big thing in this game is that instead of having random encounters in the grass or water or caves or wherever you are, Pokemon actually spawn in the overworld now, which is really fascinating to see. At first, I wasn't sure how the, exactly this was going to work, but what it is is that as you're going through a patch of grass, you have a radius around you, and within that radius, Pokemon, you can actually see them spawn in and out of the grass and in and out of the map. You know, if you watch a single Pokemon for long enough, they'll eventually just kind of vanish. And then more of them are constantly spawning in and out. And depending on how uh, busy the area is, you can actually have a tough time getting around them. Honestly, this makes water travel and cave travel a million times less annoying than it ever was in the old games. Because, you know, you played the original Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. How annoying was it to run into Zubats in caves? Oh, yeah, that was... the. Uh, oh, God, every two steps. The That cave that initial cave that was quite early game i remember it it was Not uh moon. yeah the that was one of the worst parts of the game is and, and you hit it so early yep. it, it, it was not so much a, a it was such a maze that you ended up having to just randomly uh you know wander through it constantly yeah. keep getting into battles mm-hmm. it's just obnoxious yeah it's, uh, it's mount moon and the rock tunnel are the two big cave systems in kanto and in this game, because the the Pokemon spawn in the overworld, you can actually just avoid all of the Zubat, and it's phenomenal. It's so good. I love it. It makes things a million less times annoying. But, uh, yeah, this, uh, for the most part, is a faithful recreation of the Kanto region. A lot of, from, a lot of the dialogue was reused to it from the original games. A lot of the events are the same. Uh, two big things that they took out of the game that I, one of them I understand why, the other one I'm actually kind of disappointed in. Uh, the first one being the Rocket Game Corner, you can no longer actually play the games or, you know, win prizes there. Uh, that one doesn't surprise me. For the past several games, they have taken out any form of gambling in any of the Pokemon games. You know, there are still, like, arcade areas where you can't actually interact with any of the games anymore like you used to be able to. I remember those, though. That was fun. It was fun, yeah. They were all fixed, though. They were all fixed, absolutely. It was impossible to win any of those. But uh, for the past several, several games at this point, they have completely removed all aspects of gambling in any form whatsoever. So that doesn't surprise me that Rocket Game Corner, while still being there, is still serving its purpose as, you know, you go down to the basement and, you know, do all that. Uh, the actual gambling part has been completely removed, yes. Uh, Ghoul Shinobi, we're not going over news this week. This show is just for forums and for the uh, reviews because of last week's show was so long. Yeah. <laughs> you may continue. And uh, the other big thing in this game that they took out, which 
This one actually, I was really sad when I realized that it wasn't actually in the game anymore. Is the Safari Zone? Really? The Safari Zone has been completely removed from the game. Why? Uh, that was such a big uh, part of the red, blue, yellow. Right? I know. I was so sad when I realized that. What it's been replaced with now is the Go Park, which is the area that you go to when you connect to Pokemon Go and you can transfer Pokemon over from Pokemon Go. They end up in the Go Park and you can catch them there. But, I mean, come on, man. I was really looking forward to going to the Safari Zone in this beautiful, new, vibrant world. But, alas, twas not meant to be. Just to troll you. Just to troll me. Yeah, for the most part, Pokemon locations haven't changed. You know, if you know the secret spot where Ponyta is, for example, it's still going to be in that one spot. Um, same with the three legendary birds? Same with the birds, yep. Same with Mewtwo. Um... Yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's really nice going back through. A lot of the original music has been kind of remixed and redone for this game. It sounds amazing. All the original gym leaders are the same. Uh, the gyms themselves have been completely revamped, and they're actually really cool looking now. A lot of them have really interesting aspects to them now, instead of just kind of, you know, the straightforward thing that they used to be. And the other big thing in this game that a lot of people were shitting on for the longest time and still are to a lesser degree is in this game there are no wild battles. There are only trainer battles. And the way it works is that they put a much more heavy focus on catching rather than battling in this game. Whenever you catch a wild Pokemon, your entire party gets an XP boost. Uh, same thing with battling a trainer, you know, your party gets next people that way too. But for the most part, you're just going to be catching Pokemon soon in order to level your team up. And another aspect of it that people figured out pretty early on is that there's a new mechanic in the game now called a catch combo. Where if you catch the same Pokemon over and over and over again, you get a massive XP boost from doing that. And also something called a catch combo, which people kind of... For a while, we're debating the numbers and still are, but uh, data miners have found out that if you make a catch combo up to 31, that greatly increases your chances of finding a shiny in the wild as well. So that's kind of become the new shiny hunting method of these games, is catch the same Pokemon up to 31 and then wait for a shiny to spawn in the overworld. One thing to be aware of, though, is that in this game, because catching has become the big new focus... Uh, Pokemon now also have the ability to run away from you, which, uh, has happened. <laughs> so some sparkly things <laughs> in my time. I'm not salty, you're salty. <laughs> you also forgot to mention, though, as soon as the, uh, as soon as a shiny spawns in in the overworld, then you must f have a freak-out reaction while streaming it on Twitch. Yes, that is the that is, it's a require. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. If you're not doing that, you're doing something wrong. Mm. It'll flee from you immediately. <laughs> uh, never change Twitch streamers. Mm. But yeah, I've had a couple of shinies in this game. I've had, I've lost one shiny to running away, and that was the first one I ever found, which was Oddish. Uh, so far, I have found a shiny, uh, Psyduck, which is now my Golduck, uh, Chansey, and Lickitung are my three that I've caught so far. Right now, I'm actually while we were doing this show, I've actually been chaining Eevees. To hopefully try to get a uh, an EV on. So let me just see if I understand this. this. Um, you have caught twenty nine EVs in a row. 
Right. So yep. you have a box full of Eevees then? Yes. What do they do all day long? Uh, whatever it is the Eevees do. When they actually, sit in a box? Actually, that's a good uh, thing. That's actually a good segue. Another one of the big uh, things in this game is that your box now where your wild Pokemon go, uh, it's no longer in the Pokemon Center. You actually carry it around with you at all times, which is great for convenience. So every time you catch a wild Pokemon, if your party is full, it goes into your Pokemon box, which is right in your bag. And then from there, I don't know specifically how many Pokemon that box can contain, but if you have a lot of one species, like you've been chaining like I have, you actually have the option to then send a bunch of Pokemon in batches of 30 to Professor Oak, who then gives you uh, these little candies as a reward that you can then sell to buy more Pokeballs in order to keep, you know, doing things. Because that's the thing with this game is that shiny hunting in this game is really expensive. Like, Pokeballs, lures, and... Uh, other items that you use, like raspberries, those things add up real quick, especially in the early game. So catching a lot of Pokemon, sending them to Professor Oak, and then selling the rewards that he gives you for them actually helps to kind of be able to afford more Pokeballs and all that. So it, it did incorporate a lot of uh, mechanics from Go in that way. With the candies and everything, where every time you catch the Pokemon, there's a chance that they'll also give you a certain type of candy, like a tough candy, a smart candies. There's a couple different others. Uh, those are used to increase Pokemon stats if you give them to a certain Pokemon, or you can just sell them there. If you get a lot of them, you can sell them for quite high amounts, actually. So that's a good way to continuously make money, just by doing the catching. And when you encounter a Pokemon in the overworld... Uh, like I said, there are no wild battles, so you don't weaken them in any way. What it is is that they took the circle mechanic from Pokemon Go and used that for the catching now. So every time you are in front of a wild Pokemon, there's a circle that gets uh, smaller and smaller towards the center of that Pokemon before resetting itself. If you manage to throw a Pokeball into the middle of that circle, you can get either nice, good, or excellent. And that determines it's kind of like your chance of catching them rises with every thing like if you manage to get the pokeball dead center in the smallest circle that's an excellent that almost guarantees that you will catch them whereas you if you just get like a nice then there's a higher chance that they'll break out if that makes sense so it's definitely pretty different i do like the direction it's going though uh, i'm hoping that for gen 8 they keep a lot of what they did here but they do make a return to the wild battles, I'm hoping. That would be nice. But if they don't, then it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. A lot of people are really upset about the lack of the wild battles, but I do like the way that they handled it with kind of the catching mechanic uh, taking the place of wild battling. But overall, I do like it. It's a really nice game. It looks phenomenal. Like, it looks amazing. Uh, the jump from the sprites in the previous games to fully rendered 3D models of Pokemon is really, really good. And your partner is just absolutely adorable. Your partner that you start out with, either the Pikachu or the Eevee, you can dress them up and they sit on your shoulder. And, you know, Pikachu sits on your shoulder and Eevee sits on your head at all points in time. And they're just super cute. It's a really charming game, really adorable game for the most part. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's much else I can really say about it. If you were a fan of the original Pokemon Yellow, you are probably going to really enjoy this game.
Like, there are so many callbacks, and, you know, all of the hidden secrets are still where they once were. Like, you remember the uh, the potion behind the bush in Viridian City? That's still right where it was. And there are other kind of, like, hidden secrets that are still right where they were for older fans to find again. So, yeah, I would say if you are a fan of Pokemon, if you are a fan of the original three games, buy it now. Nice. Anything else you can think of? Probably. <clears throat> uh, you continue to chain Eevees. Yeah. I'm sure I could continue to ramble on. That is always the case, because if nothing else, there's one thing we're good at. <laughs> and that is rambling on. Oh, absolutely. Alrighty then. Does that mean it's my turn? Yep. So I want to take a moment and go on a detour. I know, it's a, uh, who would have thought that I would have detour? But you need to think back to whenever you first played what would become your favorite game. That one game that you love more than anything else. The one that just spoke to you for ver whatever reason that may be. The, the most amount of fun you ever had with a game. Like, your favorite game. Did you know it at the time that it would become that way? At, you, know, you know, in the moment, it's kind of hard to tell. It's usually as as you think back on it, you realize you had the most fun with it. Uh, when the credits rolled, did you did you like how how like emotional were you? Was it was it really good? Did you like it? Did you like how it ended? Did it really hit? You know, did it cross all the T's, dot all the I's? Did it do everything it needed to do? Because I was thinking back from my the from myself personally back in. 2010, I think it was summer 2010, is when I played a game that was it had been out for about two years at this time, a little bit under at this point, that the company had already deemed it a failure. It had already had a sequel on a, you know, on a, instead of uh, coming out for a console, it came out for handhelds, you know, and its third sequel didn't even come out to the U.S. at all in any way, shape, or form. But I remember the first time that I got to the credits of Valkyria Chronicles... I suffered from what a lot of people refer to as the void. Yeah. That just emptiness deep inside. You just, it's just, you don't know what to do. You just, it's, you're sad because you just finished the best game you ever played. And that's where I landed summer 2010. I, the void hit me hard during, you know, during the credits of Valkyria Chronicles the game just was, it was on another level that I had never played a game quite like this one in the past because it was, it was such a juxtaposition that it had the more cutesy anime-esque style character designs but in a, like a wa watercolored uh, kind of art style in 3D in motion. It's unlike any other game I'd ever seen before at that time but at the same time it tackled some very serious subject matter at the same token it was you know not just the fact of a world war is is you know how terrible and awful a world war can be but it was it went further than that and it even hit on things such as concentration camps and you know discrimination it was like uh, different subject matter that 
not even Call of Duty games could touch with the same level of seriousness. And it just it was on another level, and just the, between the cute art style, the beautiful art style of between the you know the anime esque art style of it with the watercolor aesthetic, versus the story being so dark and adult that it was is really was just the most amazing thing that I had seen at that time, and the biggest reason that put me into the void was the realization that, as I've already said, it was already deemed a failure. Now, and I've gone over many times on my YouTube channel as to the reasons why it's like it obviously it's my own theory into the reasons why but when you you know when you release your game amongst 30 others you know one of those being Call of Duty the other one being Assassin's Creed and another one being you know Fallout 3 coming out within 30 games within a three-week period of time November 2008 is when Valkyria Chronicles came out on a exclusive only to PlayStation 3 at the time a console that was only a year old and still $600 they judged it as a failure because it had that kind of a hill to climb nobody played it then and Sega came back and said no it failed and then the sequel Valkyria Chronicles 2 came out on PSP that did so well that the sequel to that Valkyria Chronicles 3 also came out on uh, PSP but it was only out in Japan, and still to this day, as a matter of fact, only out in Japan. The reason why The Void Hit Me Song is the realization that you may never see another sequel, a proper sequel to this game ever again. And it just, that really hit me. And in the time that I've done this podcast, anyone who's ever, is like, oh, I, I'm kind of out of games to play, what do you suggest? I always default back to Valkyria Chronicles. It's still to this day, it holds up. The graphics aren't bleeding edge realistic. The, the the art style lends itself to being easily reproducible on any console or computer that it is put on. So it is like, at the same time, when they came out and they re-released it on Steam, uh, I bought that again. And then when they did the remastered version of it again for, what was it, like a year ago? Mm. A year or two ago? Yeah. They did it for PS4. I bought that copy again as well. I own the same game three times. The original PS3 copy, I've got it on Steam and I've got it on PS4. It's that good of a game that I just, I never hesitate to buy it again. Then we come to... I think it was 2017 last year when it was in the, when it was announced that oh there's going to be a new one it's going to be uh Valkyria Revolution mm-hmm. and but they're going to change the genre of the game and it's not going to have this original cast it's going to be a new cast it's going to be its own original thing but it's going to be in the same universe and it just it didn't really make much sense I played it for a I poked into it for about a dozen or so hours and it was a different genre altogether. It was, was kind of like more like Dynasty Warriors and that it was a fight. You know, it was a uh, I don't even know what, how you would describe it. It's not quite a fighting game, but it kind of is. It's it's different. It's harder to explain. Dynasty Warriors is kind of its own genre unto itself. The and it was just I, I, I reviewed it back when it came out. The story could have been good. I was intrigued to see how it would, you know, wind, you know, work its way out, but I never got to see the end of the game because it just wasn't my type of, you know, my genre of game. Ultimately, I deemed it as like a, it was like a fan uh, fiction of of Valkyria Chronicles. They took what they liked of it and kind of made their own, invented their own story thereafter, and it just it had nothing to do with it. So, when we then found out a couple of months later that 
Valkyria Chronicles was going to have yet another sequel, and it was both returning to console and its roots as a strategy RPG. I was both excited and nervous, because think back again to your favorite game of all time. Did it have a sequel, like a proper sequel? Did the sequel live up to the original? Like More often than not, they usually don't. Anyone who ever remembers the blue balls that they got after finishing Halo 2 is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't know if you remember that or not. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was, uh, that is, uh, those balls were very blue. Oh, exceptionally. I still, uh, still am salty about that one. <laughs> but, uh, but ultimately, Valkyria Chronicles 4 was announced, and then it's like, okay, it's a thing. How's it going to be? It wasn't until almost a year ago, it was like uh, end of December 2017, they had a live stream, a Japanese live stream of the developers playing the game. And I caught the live stream after the fact and watched about a good two-thirds of it. And it was at that point in time that I knew that even if the story doesn't live up, it's still going to be the gameplay was right back to where it, sh- you know, it was in Valkyria 1. So that filled me with hope, but I was still nervous as to whether or not it was actually going to live up to the original, which is always a hard bar to set, which kind of leaves me where I am today. I'm going to be doing a review of Valkyria Chronicles 4, and uh, here's the thing. How do you approach this as a non-biased review when it's... it's a, it's a, it's the sequel to your favorite game of all time. How, like, how do you maintain not being biased for or against it? It just, I don't know how it's even going to be possible to do so. Because every time I, 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 I think of an aspect of this game, I'm always comparing it against to what the original did, and that's the closest comparison there is because the PSP games were cut down. They had the same idea, but they were cut down due to the limitations of the PSP. And, you know, obviously Valkyria Revolution had nothing to do with Valkyria Chronicles. It was its own little fan fiction. So, yeah, Valkyria Chronicles 4. It is developed by Sega and MediaVision, published by Sega. It came out on... uh, March 2018 for Japan and worldwide September 25th, 2018. Uh, It's a hard game to kind of explain because it's one of those types of games that has like 50 different genres all thrown in a blender and it all kind of comes out being all the same. They Here on the Wikipedia page, they call it a tactical role-playing game. Uh, It's kind of the best way to do it in like an elevator speech manner. Myself, I think of it as a turn-based strategy game with RPG and shooter elements. So I guess tactical role-playing might be a better way to boil it down, but at the same time, it doesn't 100% lead to exactly what you'd be doing within it. Uh, The one thing I'll do before, I will get to before I get into the review, though, is that the synopsis here on Wikipedia for the plot is heavily, uh, is very heavy spoilers. Like it, within the matter of what three or four paragraphs, it go well, maybe five paragraphs. It go it, it explains the entire 
plot beginning to end of the whole entire game. So if you want to avoid spoilers, definitely avoid the plot synopsis on Wikipedia for this game. Uh, identical gameplay to the original. It is uh, as quickly as I can go through the idea of your, the, the basic gameplay loop is at the beginning of your turn, you're given a bunch of command points, which however many depends on a lot of factors, uh, however many people you have on the field that are uh, are commanders themselves, uh, and there's also varying dependency on based on story elements and the what have you, but command points are given to you. You can then spend a command point, select a unit, and then spend that command point. It then drops down into a real-time setting, third-person, real-time, where you can then walk a unit any anywhere you want them to go. Uh, they can use one action per turn. They can either shoot someone, throw a grenade. Uh, there's a couple other different actions based on environmentals, settings, and what have you, what might be going on. They could uh, different a couple of different things. Uh, engineers can repair tanks. That takes up uh, their one action per use. Uh, per command point. Uh, and then each unit also can then move. The distance they can move is based on their class of character, which is their AP bar, which is how far they can move. Uh, scouts have the most amount of AP. Shock troopers have a medium amount. Things like lancers and snipers and the new class of grenadier have a very short uh, AP bar, which is action points, which is, again, the movement bar. Uh, and then you can go as far as they can until they're running out of AP or they're in a location that you want them to be. They can shoot if you want them to shoot. And then from there, you can end their action and go back into command view. So you keep going between an overview of like a map mode and then it drops down into an actual live action mode. Uh, during live action mode, uh, enemies can do uh, can counter fire you as you're moving when you go into uh when you hit the uh, button to go into aim mode yourself uh it actually all the enemies stop shooting at you which is kind of hilarious and not very realistic uh you can then line up your shots to however you want but your shots are dependent on uh, both the skill of the unit the weapon that they're carrying uh will then determine how big or small of a reticle they'll have to the aim it'll be a circle with a crosshair in the middle of it and their shots will randomly end up within that circle which is uh i understand what they were going for but then when you tell me like when my tank for example tanks can shoot their shells out to thousands of yards and can be accurate within a couple of inches so when you tell me that my tank missed something that's 20 feet away it can be a little bit frustrating and that goes for both games but yeah, so Valkyria Chronicles 4, it's the same gameplay loop as the original. If you loved that, then you're going to love this game. It's as simple as that. The story is where things get to be a little bit shakier because honestly, it's a st it, it takes a while to get going before you realize that it's another Valkyria game. The first couple of levels are a bit, there's not so much intro to the very first level is introductory, but then after that, they have a lot of battles that are leading up to what seems like a confrontation. And then it, they totally swerve and take you elsewhere. And it, it takes about a good four or five levels before you realize, okay, th I'm playing a Valkyria Chronicles game. And this is really going, you figure out what direction it's going to take. Uh, Story-wise, I'm not going to spoil much of anything other than to say that it hits on some heavy subject matter uh, within 
you know, wartime and thing. It's not the same as the discrimination, even though that some of that is uh, still present with the Darksons. Is uh, there's still a lot of Darkson hatred? Obviously, taking place in the same time uh, that the original game took place as during at the same time. Instead of being on the Galleon front, uh, you're now on the front lines of this uh, war. Uh, ultimately, it's the story is good, but it tries too hard to be similar to the original in that a lot of the squad it's kind of like you can see they're trying to copy different uh people from the previous game and redo characters it's almost like another good example another good parallel to make of this is like love live to love live sunshine yes uh in the same sense of the fact that they tried to recycle the same characters and tried to have lightning strike twice it's not that they're bad and they work best when they're doing their own thing, but when they're trying to be too hard copying the original, it just doesn't quite... It's not that it doesn't work, it's just it, it's too obvious. Uh, your leader of the squad is uh, Claude Wallace, is his name. Uh, he's a native to Gallia, uh, joined the Federation Army through uh, Edinburgh, which is kind of like, it's Great Britain, but... Uh, it's an alternate history World War II setting. is alternate history uh, Europe and Russia and what have you. The Empire is what Russia was. The uh, the Federation is what Europe is supposed to be. Uh, locations on the map look, you know, you get an idea of where everything should more or less be. But it's alternate history, so names and borders are slightly different. But yeah, the uh, he's the Claude Wallace is the main character. He's the uh, commander to Squad E, which as opposed to the first game, which was Squad 7, and uh, Welkin Gunther was the original to the first game, the lead. Uh, you lead Squad E through the front lines as you try to do the impossible, which is your task with Operation Northern Cross, which is you have to get to the capital of the Empire, which is Schwarzgrad. If I could speak, it would help. Schwarzgrad. And here's the thing though it's like it's it's one of those kind of like half-assed sketchy plans of we're gonna get there and take it over it's like okay but how though it's never really explained as to what the thought processes was it's kind of like a we'll figure that out when we get that far kind of deal uh the story it's like i said i'm not going to spoil it but it is uh it goes into some heavy subject matter like the first game. There is a little bit, uh, there is still the discrimination against the Darksons, obviously being, like I said, the same time frame. The big thing with this one is that it doesn't so much feel like a Valkyria Chronicles game because it takes a while to get to these heavier subject matters. Up until that point, it's kind of just, here's another map, here's another impossible battle and situation you have to overcome. And it's like, it's, it's still good because it's the original the gameplay loop is still what I loved. The music is still as excellent as the first one as it borrows a lot from the soundtrack from the first game. It just, it takes a while to get there. And when it does, is it any more or less horrific than the first game? It's honestly apples to oranges, shades of gray, hard to tell. I'm not going to quite go into what the, the horrors are of this game as it is somewhat of a spoiler, but uh, to say it is uh, not nice is an understatement. Still, all the same, has adult subject matter in it. It's not dumbed down, which for 2018, I can definitely say is a good thing. Uh, one of the things that I was worried about was that they were going to dumb it down slightly to be 
nicer for 2018. It's not so much uh, that it's it's it, they they rounded the edges off. It might not be as raw as the first one was, but it's still up there, and it wasn't quite dumbed down. The Ultimate, and the, the thing that really was shocking to me, though, is that this game is significantly longer than the original. The original was about, I don't know, 20 to 30 hours, depending on how long you uh, uh, took with it, how long you grounded with it, how fast you figured out what was the uh, the, the the key with the gameplay loop itself to, in order to beat the game uh, in an effective manner. This game is well over 60 hours. I would say it's probably 60 to 80 hours. Uh, my original save as it stands right now, I think I beat it at around 90, and I'm at about 100 right now. And as Dark God and Kaz can also attest to this, is that the vast majority of that time is me spent sitting there looking at the command view map, deciding what I wanted to do next. Yep. As they both watched me play this game, uh, I sit and think very carefully. Because unlike... Uh, I think a lot of people, they get ahead of themselves and they try to rush in too quickly. And with me, though, is I try not to get any of my soldiers killed. So I try to take it methodically. Uh, and uh, I say I'm very successful at that because just, it's just like the first game. I don't lose. I didn't lose anybody on this, uh, this, this, you know, Valkyria 4. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah. But I, you know, it's a strategy game. I'm liking how they intended the uh, the misdirection in the story is good. Again, I can't really go into a lot of specifics. The ultimately the biggest problems I have with this game is the same problems that I had with the first game. Is that the only way to get a higher at the end of a map? Whenever you get the operation complete and you go through a scorecard where it's like they give you your experience and money that you earn from completing the mission, you end up having uh, you know your rank you're ranked based on the mission how well you did the mission but the rank itself is solely down to just how fast you completed it so instead of you know you completed it in four turns therefore four turns or less therefore you get an a rank and the, or you did five you know four to or you did five or six turns well that's a b rank and so on and so forth or something like that. every map is slightly different some of them have four or less for a rank some have six or less for A rank, depending on the difficulty of the mission, but it solely comes down to just how fast you complete the mission. So when it says capture the final enemy base, you know, like capture the enemy's base is your victory condition. There could be 15 tanks around you, 100 infantry. If you run past everybody and get into their base, like the arbitrary tiny little base square around their flag, and you throw the grenade at the feet of the one dude that happens to be sitting there, and the grenade doesn't so much doesn't even kill them, but it knocks them an inch outside of that that square where their base is, you can then immediately capture the flag. Mission is a success. <laughs> and Dark God and Kaz have seen me do this. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, my favorite order to give is like as Claude the commander, he can actually order uh, different things like uh, aim boost or you know defensive boost. Or my favorite order to give is defend all all units defend, because then everybody gets a, a stat defense boost, and it allows you to, in most situations, uh, to just run past a lot of the enemies that would normally tear through a lot of your armor, or at least enough so that you can get past them. And that system can be abused. Like, again, in the skirmishes that unlock, the last four skirmishes, the, the last four normal skirmishes that you unlock in Valkyria Chronicles 4, 
uh, once you unlock a couple of characters' more advanced skills and techniques, you can beat a lot of those advanced things with just one turn and three people. And again, Dark God has seen me do this before with just bomb rushing the entire level and getting to the one enemy base, knocking the one dude out and taking it. And then, you know, you get 100,000 XP and 150,000 money every single time. It's just, you know, it's kind of I get what they're going for with that. But at the same time, if they wanted to continue the series and improve on it better, I would say don't solely focus on doing it faster but instead do it on like you you can for certain missions if it makes sense to do it in a certain amount of time frame i understand it but to solely do it that way also then you should also have optional um you know mission parameters of also you need to you need to secure this route or you need to uh, take out this enemy or do something like add more stipulations to just the uh you know the the overall victory condition to also indicate whether or not you can unlock uh an A rank. So that way, if you beat the thing in one turn, but you didn't do any of the optional missions, you'd still end up with a B rank. You know, something along those lines would make it more realistic, slightly uh, more challenging in that fact. Because at, at the end of the thing, what you got to realize is when they when it tells you your victory condition of make like to have this one person make it to this one point, that's all you have to do. You could actually, if you know, like, I don't know how hard or easy it would be, but you could kill nobody on the entire map if that one person gets to that, you know, final point in the map, then you won. And so it's like it, it, it's when you read when it tells you your victory condition, you have to remember that that's all you have to do. You don't have to get fancy with it and start destroying everybody in in the vicinity, which I think is what a lot of people when they have trouble with this game. Uh, are missing the point on is when they tell you your victory condition that's all you have to do so for the series to move forward i'd say that would have to be the big the biggest overall improvement same issue that i had with the original game the other thing i'll say though is valkyrie chronicles 4 is even though it's taking a lot from the original game it added to the gameplay and that it added two critical features to the game play of the original but it feels normal and natural is that they added a new class of character for this game called the Grenadier, which has a slow-moving unit that has a long setup time. Their weapon of choice is like a uh, like a mortar-style grenade launcher that has more impact than a normal grenade, and they can chuck them uh, a lot further distances than any other. Like scouts, when the scouts get to level ten, they get grenade launchers for their rifles that allow them to throw grenades a lot further than normal. Uh, the Grenadiers can actually reach th those distances and a lot further than. So, tactically speaking, it's an interesting changeup, and it feels normal to the series. It doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't seem like it's uh, been shoehorned into the game. It it actually it works. And here's the thing: when I go back to the original and replay the original, which I don't know when that will be, but it'll feel odd not having that there. It's uh, they, they integrated that that well. And the other thing they added to the game is later on in the game, some late game stuff you get access to like it's like it's kind of thing that doesn't make a lot of sense from the original is that you're the you're a commander of a squad. You're going after this like high end target or you're going after this like, high profile mission. But yet you don't really have like 
like a normal commander going off to, into battle would have access to fire support or reconnaissance or something like that. They could call in and have a have a, uh, a drone fly by and do some reconnaissance or something like that. Or they can call into some artillery support and have artillery come into the into the you know the, the, to aid in their mission. In the original game, you never had anything quite like that. There was an order you could give for some sniper support, but outside that, there really wasn't anything else of that nature. In this game, you later get access to. Uh, as a commander, you get access to these new uh, frame of orders that are allow you to access, like you can access vehicle repair, or uh, there's a radar where you can do you can do reconnaissance on a certain area where they'll focus a radar dish and it'll unlock so you can see enemies that are in this vicinity. But it's also so far it's actually restricted to Claude himself as it has to be within a certain distance of Claude. And that can also then be upgradable uh, later on in the game. You can increase both the distance, the size of the rad radar area that is uncovered and also the distance away from him. Uh, and it's uh, also, you can do uh, bombardment as well as one of the orders that you can give, where you can actually give an artillery support to a certain area, but the catch with these higher end orders and I haven't given the exact name of what they're called uh, to avoid spoilers, but the the name the uh, excuse me the the catch with them though is that each mission that you have them you only have a limited number of them. So for certain maps you might only have two uses of them. For certain other missions you might have five uses of them, but they don't replenish. Unlike each turn when you come back in, you get a refresh on your, however, what your base number of CP are. You can, uh, and you can keep, you can save CP for the next turn or you can spend it all with, with the, uh, with these particular higher end commander orders. Uh, you only have, when it says you only have this many, that's all you can use for the entire mission is that many times. So it's limited. So when you use one, it'll use a CP command as well, but then you only have that limited number of them, which I think is brilliant. It really adds a new layer of strategy to it. It adds another option to how you could tackle certain problems. Uh, I liked it. It Again, it, it, it fit right in with this the series, and it makes sense in the manner of how you know, it, it seems to work. You know, it, it doesn't seem out of place, I should say, especially for late game. It definitely makes sense uh, with how they uh, reveal it and how it, it, it comes to be. It works out very well. I like it a lot. The Ultimately, at the end of the day, though, the other issue that I have, though, that is kind of annoying, though, is when you use the same unit multiple times, their AP bar keeps reducing. So the first time you use it, you have your full use of their AP bar. Uh, and then the next time you use them, whether you use their full bar or not, the next time you use them, it's at three quarters and then a quarter the next time thereafter. And then from thereafter, it's only at a little sliver, which for normal units makes sense. They might be getting, they, I could imagine, okay, they're getting tired from moving so much in a single uh, turn. What does not make any sense is when you tell me that the tank that I'm driving is getting tired. So the tanks have incredibly short AP bars, but they also decrease in the same time with as many number of uses as they get, which doesn't make any sense because the tank isn't getting tired. The person driving the tank? Yeah, they're getting, it's, it's very hard. The foot's getting a little sore. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, at this point in time where I would say that the this review would more or less be the same as it was last week. However, the, dis, the difference between now and then is that I would th now go into re-referencing again that effect that I brought up Halo 2 and how that left you with blue balls and that it was a non-ending. 
Uh, this game, at the, the beginning of the show last week, I had that whole spiel about it's going to sound worse than it is, but it's because of spoilers. What I'm about to say right now is the reason for that. The ending to this game kind of leaves you with blue balls in a sense that the ending is oddly... It's one of those endings that doesn't answer a lot of questions. You've seen... As a matter of fact, you just saw this the other night. Uh, what was your thought on the final uh, segment of cutscenes? Yeah, it was weird. Uh, I had a lot more questions than were answered in the final cutscenes, which was bizarre. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre in that certain characters are just not spoken of during the ending, and then after the fact, after you come back after the final cutscenes, you then I'm I'm then rooting around going, what the hell was what is going on with it? Just it, it leaves you with such blue balls. I go into the uh, the headquarters tab on the book and go to the personnel page info because at the end of the game it says, oh, you know, personnel updated and all this other updated, updated, updated. And I'm, I go into the personnel tab in your uh, private quarters because as the commander you're keeping notes and on all your squad mates and it, it kind of fills out like a quick bio-esque type thing of what's going on. And I read into a lot of the characters' bios. Some of the characters were then answered as to what happened, what they did after the final credit sequence. And it's like, okay, but then one very critical prominent character isn't spoken of in any capacity whatsoever. And you're just left to wonder. And I'm like, the Wikipedia article says one thing, but what I saw tells me another thing. And you just, it's like, uh, what the hell? And my think my, and it's more or less right here is where I would have left the review last week. Had I done the review last week. And it was just, it's a sense of blue balls and the fact of you're, you're left with so many questions, not a whole lot is explained and this one character isn't spoken of in any capacity whatsoever. The following day, I go back and I rewatch the cutscene again, and I'm like, there's no way that they ended it like that. There's, it just does not make any sense. So I went onto the internet and I got looking on, um, I was like a, I almost, it was a trophy hunting website where they go into a, so like a, a trophy guide almost. And it was like in a quick blurb, I was looking through the trophies to see if I was missing anything. And sure enough, I come across the silver trophy of, uh, that is the name of the last chapter of the game, which was what caught my eye on it. And I got reading into it, and there's a quote-unquote true ending to Valkyria Chronicles 4, which how many people have played this game, got the blue balls at the end and went, this sucked, and then put it down and never got the true ending and didn't know how it ended. So it's like, it's kind of like, here they go again, shooting themselves in the foot. For any possibility of anyone caring for a, another game, like maybe not core people that understood the series, but anyone new that was just checking it out, if they get to the end of this game, they're going to get blue balls. How many of them actually would then do the research to see or keep going and play post-game content, not understanding that there's more to unlock in the actual main story? Uh, so, quickly, non-spoiler guide to unlocking the true ending. Upon completing the final cutscene of the last chapter of the normal ending, when you have blue balls, it'll tell you that there's a bunch of new things that have unlocked uh, in headquarters. There's two tabs specifically that have unlocked in two new uh, places you can go to in within headquarters. One of them is the infirmary, and the other one I'm not going to say for spoiler reasons. Uh, obviously being you know, one of two, it's going to be pretty obvious to know which one's which. The infirmary, real quick, uh, 
I don't know if they were quite intending it to this manner, but it struck me from this manner is that the medic Karen, you can then upon finishing the game, you unlock uh, this new form of currency called Renown that you then are then given 200,000 Renown at the end of the game with every then to every map you go back to every chapter you go back to and replay a map from you can then earn more or you can also they uh, you also unlock hard mode skirmishes or any other skirmishes you go and you and with everything you also not only increase your money and experience but then you also gain Renown as well uh you spend Renown at the infirmary and it's just kind of really weird and sketchy from like a narrative out uh, aspect of this it's also hilarious because from from the Medicare and spending Renown, you can take away your max level cap from 20 to the new max level cap of 30. You can then uh, upgrade your tanks further. You can upgrade your equipment further. You can buy weapons from her. Uh, and then there's a couple other things you can buy, like a music room, and there's a few other things. But it's just like at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, what the hell kind of sketchy back alley bullshit are you running through this joint? I was just going to say, you got the back alley doctor on the case. Oh, my God. It's so funny because when you leave the infirmary after you're buying something, she gives you this kind of like, you know, anime. It's not quite one of those shaft head tilt kind of things, but it's kind of like with the shoulders included, kind of like, oh, leaving so soon. Okay, come back when you're ready for more. It's like, what kind of sketchy outfit you got going on in here? (laughs) Small detour. but I'm just like, really? For narrative speaking, I'm just like, I don't quite know how i feel about this that you've been doing this obviously under my nose this whole time <laughs> i know hmm. right? like who else is in on this i know right who's her dealer like where does she get her weapons from i know there's too many questions not enough answers uh one of the options within the infirmary is uh there's an interlude there's certain points throughout the game as you're playing through in the book mode like, just like the first game this game is presented as if you're reading a story through a book uh, there will be certain chapter pages where there's going to be obviously like a blank section of pay- page <laughs> that has never been filled in and you just keep going. And it's just kind of weird how that works itself out. I, I noticed that I pointed it out to you earlier before I got to the end of it. Uh, throughout the game, you also get these interludes that are stuck in between each chapter that are kind of like all bonus content for to in a smaller extent. Uh, but it's, it's, it's fun nonetheless. So I, you play through those as well. There is an interlude that you can buy uh, from the infirmary that's cost 20,000 Renown. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to, it says interlude and then the name of it. It's the only one there, so it's pretty easy. You have to purchase with the, with the 200,000 you're given at the end of the game, you have to purchase that interlude. Uh, you then have to play through that interlude. It is in between chapters uh, eight and nine. Uh, at that point in time, it will unlock a uh, another cutscene that is in chapter 13, I believe, is when that happens. Uh, from there, you have to go to your skirmishes tab, uh, and then you have to complete, uh, not like A rank or anything, but you have to complete the first three hard mode skirmishes. So there's a page where you go to your skirmishes. If you then push your uh, left or right bumper, I forget, I think it's right bumper, to turn the page, uh, it turns over to uh, where the hard mode skirmishes are, which are rehashes of maps you've already played before, but with much harder enemies and a lot more of them. Uh, Ultimately, you have to beat those first three hard mode skirmishes. It will then tell you that another new cutscene has been unlocked. You watch that which i honestly forget where that was slotted into i believe it was somewhere in the early teens 
Uh, but you have to watch that skirmish, or excuse me, that that new cutscene that is unlocked. Go back to the headquarters. Go to the second uh, area in the headquarters that is unlocked. That I'm again not not saying what the name of that is. Uh, you have to then spend about I think it's one hundred and fifteen thousand uh, dollars of your own money to unlock. From there, then you can then go back to the last chapter and play the final battle again in hard mode. It'll give you, when you click on it again, that final, final battle, you click on it, it'll give you the option to do the normal, or it'll say hard mode, in per, or hard in parentheses. You have to then beat that final map again in hard mode to unlock the true ending. Uh, it'll be in addition to the final cutscene, that is an additional, what would you say, like two minutes? Something like that. Something like that. So the final two minutes is way better than what they left with the original. It's still kind of a sense of blue balls, but at least it does wrap up a lot more than the original ending did. So, uh, yeah, but it's just it's kind of a shame the way they formatted and how they locked away the true ending of the game behind so much. And I don't know how many people would actually know that that would be the case. Yeah, it's definitely really, really weird the way they did that. It's kind of it's kind of a shame because I don't know how many people will have seen the ending of the game, gotten blue balls, and said, "Well, I'm not going to pick that up ever again," and just n had no idea that there's a true ending to it. I know. Yeah, or you have to go through all those that many hoops because it's another thing. There's no real like what I would consider to be new game plus. You can go back through and then start playing the uh, all your maps all over again to try to get A ranks on everything, but there's no like load your last save up and then you start from the beginning but with everything that you've unlocked it's not not even it's not even anything like that it's just uh you have to flip back and just go through it again yourself manually which is kind of a strange way to do new game plus yeah but that is the way that sets narratively i'd say it's not as good as the original gameplay wise though it added to the original game which how do you do that? You take one of the best games you've ever played and add more gameplay to it. And plus, on top of that, it's more than twice as long as the original. There's a bunch of extra bonus content. They've already got DLC out for it. Sega is promoting the hell out of this on their Twitter and online. Uh, they seem to be way more invested in it. So, as far as the series going off in the future, I'm hopeful. We can wait and see. Uh, as it stands for a rating, though, I'm just I'm kind of torn. I'm really close between a crackers and a buy it now, but I'm just I'm not really sure. It's like they're right there as far as what where do I feel this lands? And ultimately, I say I'll give it the buy it now, but it's right there. It's barely dipping its toes there. It's phenomenal. It's not a bad. There is far worse that you can be you know spending your money on and playing video game wise. Uh, but it's just, this, it's just, I don't know. It's it, it, the, the way the ending leaves you, it just, the sense of blue balls is just kind of disappointing. But then to find out that, oh wait, there's a true ending. And then you have to go through what took me another 10 hours of jerking <laughs> around in order to get there to only get another, maybe two minutes of cutscene at the very end, which does wrap things up better than it did prior to that. But then I think back to the original game, which is the highest rated. And like, I know we don't give a zero to 10 point score, but the, the highest rated game I've ever given on this show is Valkyria Chronicles by far is the, is the highest rated game I've ever done. And that game, you didn't have to go through any weird uh, loopholes and, and jump through hoops in order to unlock the true ending. When you you could go through that game, get 
the lowest rank on every single map, barely squeak through and have every squad member on your entire squad get, get killed in action and barely squeeze through at the very end, the ending that happens thereafter will still be the same as if you A-ranked everything and, and were masterful at the whole game. The, the ending still plays out as it normally would, whereas in this game, you can A-rank everything and then you're left with blue balls at the very end with this weird ending, and then, then you have to go through additional content in order to unlock the true ending, which is kind of weird to me as a desi design decision that they went through with. It just kind of leaves a damper on the whole thing. Ultimately, like I said, value for money, you've got it. This game is... I can't foresee anyone being able to beat... You know, if it's your first time going into a Valkyria game, I can't see you beating this in under 60 hours. There's no way. It's probably going to be up towards 80 hours, especially if you're like me and you want to be very methodical about it, but while at the same time understanding the core concept of when they give you your mission parameters to try to do that as fast as possible. Again, I really like the game. It's it's an excellent game. Uh, just like I said, ultimately, at the end of the day, this, the blue balls for the ending is just bizarre. Anything else you need to add? Not really. Are you still there? Kind of. Did that make sense? Oh, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, yeah, so Valkyria Chronicles. I'm still going to buy it on Steam. I've missed two opportunities to buy it at 50% off. I've got really no good excuse as to why. <laughs> uh, other than the fact that just, you know, between other things I'm doing and, you know, time in the day is limited. So I will get it eventually on PC as well. Uh, that's not an issue. It's, uh, but uh, yeah, the, for, is, the gameplay has been improved. The, you know, how much gameplay there is is phenomenal. The soundtrack is right <coughs> there, if a bit borrowed from the original. <coughs> yeah, so it's like, it, it is good from a gameplay aspect. The narrative is it's still better than a lot of other games out there. I mean, it's way more uh, mature than most titles that try to tackle the same subject matter and fail miserably. The graphics are amazing. Obviously, the art style lends well to being easier to reproduce. It will age better than a lot of the other uh, military shooters out there that try to be hyper-realistic and dark and gory and all that nine yards. Again, down to the art style itself. So, yeah, I do like it. It is a good game. Definitely worth sixty dollars. It's just unfortunate the way the original, you know, the the normal ending goes. Is there anything else, or should we move on? Mm. I think we should move on. So, how about some final thoughts? All right, final thoughts. Who do you have? Uh, I gotta go back to work tomorrow. How does that make you feel? Yeah. Makes you feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside. Sure. <laughs> they called you to come in tonight, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you didn't do that though. Nope. Obviously, I'm here. Yeah, that is true. Uh, it'd be though no, that would actually be really talented if you were able to do uh the podcast from your register at work. <laughs> yeah, live from the madhouse. Hmm. You know you love it. Mm. Is there anything else you got for final thoughts? Not really. Uh, final thoughts for me, though. Uh, last week, I cannot believe I completely spaced on uh, how not to summon a demon lord. Uh, and then because I was so, so shocked that I spaced out on the name of the show, I then forgot to explain why I, I thought it was good. It was a good show. Um, nothing uh, spectacular, though. It's it's another one of those fan service harem shows, but 
it works. I liked it a lot. It's it's another one of the it, again. If people don't like the whole uh, in another world with a smartphone type of what do they call isekais, that uh, it's another one of those. But again, it's I like the way they play those this one out though. It it was fun. Uh, nothing that I would say would be uh, game changing, but I I enjoyed it. Uh, as far as what I'm going to be watching next, I'm honestly not sure what I'm going to be focusing on next. Uh, though I do know that we have a lot to watch. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to be doing tonight? I have no idea, to be honest. Let me f- make uh, like uh, let's uh, list out our options here. There's a 65-inch TV waiting in the other room to burn out your corneas. Mm. It can do it too. It can do it. It is bright. It is big enough. You know, like don't forget your sunscreen. Uh, what do we got? There's uh, your name. There's a bunch of other stuff we could be. We could play more games. YouTube's. YouTube's. Yeah, there's a lot of options. We were watching YouTube on your TV the other night. That was. Oh, it's hilarious! I was actually used the uh, smart TV feature. I was using the YouTube app on the TV itself. And we searched through it, and it was. Uh, it worked pretty good. Yeah, actually, it worked really nice. It, until it got to the end of the video, and then instead of pausing or doing something else, it then auto-selected the next video that they had uploaded. Not not the next current, but the next one further down. The, so it was the next oldest video. Mm-hmm. Instead of going to the next newest video, which still, though, is kind of strange. But all the same, it worked pretty good. It's hilarious. Yeah, it was really funny. And it's not often that you get to see Factorio on that big of a screen. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, you can actually make out stuff and see the, the UI without having to squint on the tiny little YouTube screen. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's much else. Uh, we doing anything for? I don't know if there's anything for food late night or not, or what the story with that is. I don't know. I still have some leftovers from earlier, so mm. I'll probably have that. Yeah, and uh, probably get some food, and then we'll start watching Jive. I don't know if there's much else in that front. Um, myself personally, I'm going to be getting to Red Dead Redemption Two myself. Uh, shortly here in the next week or so, I'm going to be throwing that in the disc tray and probably waiting several hours for it to download. Uh, cause it still has to download. It's what is that a million gigabyte patch or whatever it is? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, I will be getting to that and then I will be judging the game based on my own experience. And plus it's, it's way well after it's launched. So any and all bugs should have been fixed by then. They've had plenty of time to iron that out. We'll have to wait and see how that turns out. I'm interested to see how that plays. I don't know how if it'll if it'll catch me or not. Uh, it wouldn't, you know. Honestly, even though it is the big hyped release of the year, I don't. I'm not going to be surprised if it doesn't catch me. We'll have to wait and see. Are you interested in that in any way, shape, or form? I'll check it out. Mm. I've seen a little bit of Mark playing it. Yeah, so that's what I'll be getting to next, review wise. And I don't know if there's much else. From me, what do you have for final thoughts? Oh, uh, well, I've got plenty of games to be playing. Like you said, I just bought a uh, Legend of Zelda Breath, uh, Breath of the Wild on Switch the other day. I already did a review on that, but that game is still just awesome anyway. So I'm playing through that again. I'm also playing through Mario Odyssey right now. Uh, I'm playing through Smash Brothers right now because that is really good so far. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot of reviews on the horizon. Yeah, and you actually might be able to play some games as well now that you have a TV in your room. I know, right? Oh, it's amazing. Yes. So you are winning at this point. And I don't 
honestly think there's much else other than the fact that I'm really interested to see how uh, when this uh, current airing season of anime wraps up, there's a lot that we want to get to from this current season. Oh yeah, this season's been great. This whole year has been awesome. For yeah, anime. off the chain, definitely. We are there's a backlog and a half. Uh, but just from this season alone, there's what? There's Slime, there's Bunny Girl, there's Zombieland, there's uh, there's a couple others. Uh, Bloom Into You is interesting. I wanted to check that out. And I think there's one or two others that I'm forgetting completely. Yeah, there's there's several from this season alone that are really good. But that's been the same story for every season. Every season this entire year has been really good. So be interesting to see how this turns out. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything else. So we could keep on meandering or we can cut it off. So, absolute final thought. What do you got? Uh, food. Food. Uh, my final thought is a refill on my cup of water, which I'm empty now. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but my voice is starting to crackle up a bit. Yeah. Mm, so, until... and again, okay, One thing before I kick into that. The next show, we do not know if it will be next week or in two weeks. So it could very well be two weeks out. It could very well be next week. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, it all depends on how much news there is and other goings on. We'll have to wait and see. A decision to be made at another time and place. I don't believe there's anything else. So until next time, don't choke the chocobo. Bye. See you later and bye now. <laughs>